this going and let's fire it up man uh we are recording (laughs) all right man welcome to over 50 starting over everyone i'm barry edwards and i'm merle garrison and this is the end of season one this is a wow. milestone for us. Number 25. Number 25. Yeah. Wow, man, we've come a cool. long ways. And you know what? We've not missed a week. We've not that's missed pretty a- amazing. We almost did. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> we, we almost did. A lot of things almost happened. A lot of things did happen. We've had recordings where we forgot one or, one or the other of us didn't turn on our microphones. We didn't even- Hey, we've even forgotten our own names. <laughs> I called myself Merle Garrison that one time. That's a, that's a first. That's a first. Uh, let's see. what the, the, the show that I think I forgot to hit record or something. Was that it? I think it was our Thanksgiving special. I, I I'm not. I think it was the, the quality. I, was it you forgot? You forgot I, to hit record. I, I think in, because it was pretty early on. We started in like early to mid November of last year, right? And uh, I'm sure it was a Thanksgiving special because after we got off off the lines and everything, uh, that's when I start to upload things and mark it up and. Uh, that's when I discovered I didn't have it. I didn't have it anywhere. And I'm driving. I didn't want to call and tell you. And I'm driving uh, to the store because Thanksgiving stuff. And I was so bummed. And I really didn't want to tell you. I had a lot of anxiety over it. And I called you. And, uh, you know, we both went through the whole, ah, oh, damn, really? Ah, oh, it was a good one, too. I'll never and forget then, I don't know. One or the other said, want to redo it? But I just remember being shocked. You're like, yeah, let's redo it. I was shocked. I thought we were just, (laughs) I thought we were just going to let it go. And, but it really meant something to me, your commitment to it. So like I said, we were very early on at that point. I thought that we would miss a couple shows here and there, which is a terrible thing, honestly, to build an audience. It's a terrible thing to be inconsistent. And you were like, just, you just were totally committed to it. And we redid the show. It was even better. Uh, if you, you know, go back and check out our Thanksgiving Eve special, it was good. It was really good. I, I thought it was one of our best, actually. And I'll never forget the phone call because after the show was over the first time, I was feeling really good about it. Yeah. You know? and I that's came why I was downstairs so... and told Anne Marie yeah. what a great show we had and everything. And I'm, oh, hey, Barry's calling. <laughs> and uh, I get the call, man. And, you know, like I could tell by your hello. So, <laughs> so bad was going on, man. And I was just like, I remember for like the first like few minutes of the call, I, I inherited your anxiety immediately. I just, I, I just, like, I just came, put it on you. Yeah. It came from Ohio all the way to California. <laughs> and I was like in the, in the cloud with you. And, uh, oh, I felt so horrible. But then when you said, let's do it over again. Uh, of course, I wanted. To, I didn't want a bad show. Uh, I wanted That's to. Cool. I wanted to make sure we we you know served our audience. And uh, but I do also remember coming up into my uh, my studio and uh, really feeling this angst about how are we going to do this show yeah. and, and talk through all these things the that we stuff. so spontaneously talked about. Right. And now it's going to be kind of like acting now. It's going to be like, <laughs> hello, Barry. <laughs> right. Like we're reading our lines. Now, it, uh, now you're supposed to say this. Go, we could go. probably do the same topics over and over again, and it would be pretty different each and every time. You know? 
Well, it's the big deal that we learned all, all along this uh, 25 we episode process. It's every, yeah, every time we do a show, we, we learn something else and it's usually by screwing something up. Oh, for sure. Of course, you got to screw things up in order to learn. Um, so this show, we're, we're at least starting with taking a look back and a look forward at our dreams. And, uh, but we got a lot to look back on as as I thought about this show coming up and I thought about how the first and second episodes were so interesting and we didn't have a name for it. The first show, I think it was number one. I threw, I think it was number one. I threw out to you my whole over 50 starting over concept that I've been writing blogs on and, and all that. I've I've created a ton of content for over 50 starting over, but just, not the podcast. And you were immediately right there on the show. I unveiled it to you on the show and you're like, yes, that's perfect. Well, it it had everything to do with just, you know, the situation I found myself in where I really was starting over and still am. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it just made sense. And there was a, there was the, you know, the show has really taken on a life of its, of its own. It just, Mm -hmm. it took off. And I, I think about how, you know, we talked about this for a long time before we actually put this out. And it really, it's a matter of years that we've talked about this because, mm. you know, Barry, you would, uh, we'd have these outstanding phone calls, always our phone calls. You know, oh. we've been friends for so long mm-hmm. uh, since college and uh, we've, we've kept up with each other this whole time. And gosh, you know, we'd have these conversations and I'd always leave the conversation feeling so good and so uplifted. And then, but usually by the end of the conversation, you would say, we need to record this. (laughs) So we need to record this. People would want to listen to this. And, uh, I remember thinking, what are you crazy? Mm. Nobody, nobody wants to hear our conversations. <laughs> but then it came around to this summer when you and Lisa came out to yeah. visit Southern California and we had a chance to uh, get together and everything. And this was actually before a lot of changes were about to happen in my life. And mm-hmm. you, you posed the whole concept again, that we should do this. And for some reason at that time, I was feeling like, Hey, maybe that is something that we should do. And, Oh, I was feeling like, uh, I was starting to feel kind of anxious about that. I was dropping the ball that I wasn't finally putting it into action. It's because there's a lot to it. There's a lot more to doing a podcast to doing it right than I'm sure most people realize. Uh, Getting the technology together, figuring out your brand. That's really important. There's a million, there's probably a hundred million podcasts out there uh, today. And most of them are just terrible because it's, you know, two people talking about their work to try to promote it. And it's basically what it is. And And it's, I don't think it's that good. And, but if you got a chemistry is, that's a tough one, man. We're lucky. We're lucky yeah. that we have this chemistry. And so we would get off those phone calls and I've been a very avid podcast listener for years now. So uh, I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And our phone calls would be about an hour, hour and a half. Right, right. I would get off the phone. Lisa would always say, man, you are, you're just, you're so full when you get off the phone with Merle, you're just, uh, you're beaming and stuff and you're intellectually stimulating. We just absolutely love each other and we respect each other's opinions so much. We learn a lot from each other. 
It, it's so funny, Barry, that the the show is basically just like our phone calls that yes. we were having. We that covered a lot of the same subjects that we, yes. I mean, it was almost the same, the same format. That was the intention. usually end on politics yes. uh, in our, in our phone calls as yes. well and just mm -hmm. kick things back and forth. And the cool thing about it too, is always this ability for us to see the other person's point of view mm -hmm. and put it, put each other in each other's shoes. If that mm -hmm. made sense, uh, yeah. we could, we could empathize with each other. And you know, that's actually been, a part of our friendship since mm. day one uh, that we could we could do that. It's mm -hmm. been uh, really an amazing thing that uh, that we've been able to bring on. And just like you said, chemistry you can't make that up. No. That, that's a natural thing. It's either either you got it or you don't. And it mm -hmm. turns out that that's really the magic of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it was by the second podcast, I was unveiling the logo to you and the banner and uh, stuff. That was exciting. I was blown away. I was blown away. There, let yeah. me just say, Barry, the, 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 you putting the website together, the, the picture of you and I on and we there. Took. And, that, and that, was, that was just a spontaneous picture, I think. Anne Not Marie really. Marie took that. We uh, well, we I didn't know it. it was going to be for the show. Yes, we talked. We did. We talked <laughs> did, about. Did we really? It. Yes. That, okay, that I didn't remember that. Picture was for the show. Yes. I did not remember that. Ooh. But I remember when you put it on our our logo. I was like, "Hey, that's really cool. That looks really <laughs> neat." And and the way you were able to snap everything together like that, uh, mm -hmm. you were also the one that recommended the the microphone technology and. Mm. Uh, we worked on what kind of camera we were going to have and, yeah. and, uh, and, <clears throat> and even the lighting, which by the way, today is the first day that Barry was able to get the lighting. So it took 25 episodes. I added an important, more professional piece to my lighting because I have my, a, a while back ago when I first started shooting video, not podcasts, but videos for my own purposes, my business purposes, I saw a YouTube video on how to make these lights out of the cheapy kind of tin metal uh, cone with a little light bulb in it kind of thing. And right. you put these, cut up a white shower curtain and put that over it to diffuse the light. Right, so right. I have a couple of those, but I, I finally added uh, a professional light uh, to kind of fill in my face somewhere because I've, I've had the most inconsistent lighting that we can imagine. But even still, I wanted to hopefully be able to, and I know most people actually listen to our podcast, not watch it, but so I'll describe. I, I was having to change my, my computer, my desk around a bit to hide the windows because when your camera auto focuses, it, it reads the light. And even right now, I got this window right behind me. It's very bright. It seems very bright out there. I had the shade pulled. And uh, so it darkens the forefront. Uh, so even right now, if I changed back to where you can't see these windows behind me, I would be very bright. Very right, bright. Right. But I was hoping, I, but I like this. This is, my, this is how I work. This is like, I didn't have to rearrange my desk or right. anything. And so I wanted to get back to that. And I got my cool pictures from Italy in the background. That um, is pretty cool back there, by the way. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank and you. it looks like a beautiful day in Cleveland, Ohio. Today. It, it's pretty, it's a little cool, but yes, it's very nice. It's yeah. 50, um, uh, but very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, NFL draft tonight. Not that oh. I, 
that you don't care at all. I could care less, actually, but uh, I'm happy for those who are into the NFL. Well, and I don't care about the draft. That's like watching a, a high of, school graduation. You know, a lot of people love to watch that. It's yeah. unreal. I, I remember one year, and even when I was really into the NFL, I remember one year watching it with a friend of mine, and uh, I couldn't believe how excited he was about the whole thing. I, I, uh, I couldn't really get into it. Well, I, I can't either. I mean, just sit there and wait. And then just to have, you know, these young guys get up there, get drafted and say the same thing about how honored they are to come to this program and blah, 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 blah. But I can't wait to find out what Cleveland Browns do. But honestly, what, what my biggest interest is in this upcoming NFL season is the fact that Tom Brady left the New England Patriots, probably more so that Bill Belichick Jack out it just ousted him because he does that. He right when there's no more value to be you know uh, squeezed out of somebody, he lets them go because he ha- it's time to rebuild and he's the best at it. He's consistently a champion. So the interesting thing is if we have this season, and I hope to God we do because of this reason. It's always been a debate. Did Tom Brady make Bill Belichick or did Bill Belichick make Tom Brady? And so now Tom Brady went off to Tampa Bay. And even more interestingly, his Hall of Fame tight end that was with him for years in New England came out of retirement to come with to, to join him again in Tampa Bay. So this is like really exciting. And Wait, now, is that, who is that? Is it Brewski or... Now you got me messed up. Gronk. Gronkowski. Okay. All right. Yes. So you know that much. Gronkowski. Okay. Yeah. So I don't even know who's going to be the quarterback. Yeah, Brewski. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback for the New England Patriots, but Belichick, he's an amazing coach. Yeah, he is. It's a plug and play system. You know, well, hold on. Let me just back up a second on Belichick because we're both from Cleveland. Yes. How do you? How, it's hard for me to respect that guy. I, I know. You know, I it's. Know. I realize that he's a genius, but when he was the coach of the Cleveland Browns, it, it was this. Oh, this guy's a genius, and he's going to turn the team around. And I don't know that the Browns had done any worse when mm. he was the coach of the Cleveland Browns. Remember, it was uh, his genius play was Metcalf up the middle. The guy oh. was 146 pounds. <laughs> I know, I know. Dude, it's, it, that was kind of like the beginning of the curse that has been about 25 years and counting. Uh, and it really was. He cut his teeth here. And yeah, that's he true. Was that was quote, his first head coaching job. Exactly. And he made a lot of mistakes. I think it was Kozar. He, yeah, he was. finally made up with Kozar after a lot of years. And really? He admit, and he admitted to Kozar. He, go, he said, I really effed up in Cleveland. Well, it was the diminishing skills comment that really ticked me off. It ticked us off, but it was true. But it was true. Well, he went over to Dallas and brought them all through the playoffs and everything right away. And I remember thinking, oh, diminishing skills. Oh, and we were all rooting for that. No, we were all pissed off. And it was a terrible time. It was the beginning of the demise of the Browns. And – but and that's, that's kind of true. what this place has been since then. And people come here to cut their teeth and then go somewhere and find better success. Yeah, that always really ticked me out. I'm getting mad all over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping that better days are, are here. Now, another thing that shows that the curse uh, is still here is in 2018 season. 
midway through the season, we fire the head coach and the offensive coordinator, and that turns the team around into a juggernaut. So we see them go five and three the rest of the season. Right, right. The excitement's through the roof, and then our GM messes up everything and uh, anoints soft Freddie Kitchens as the head coach. And it was down the tubes once again. Freddie. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's not a good nickname in the NFL. No, he was so soft. (laughs) So soft. I remember at the beginning of the season, you were so excited. And I was like, I kept looking at the stats and going, I wonder what Barry was excited about because that was dismal. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. And that, that just kind of shows you, well, that curse is still here. I mean, to, That's terrible. to show us that promise and then pull the rug out from us. It was the longest offseason of my life waiting I for that imagine. last year. Just the, and then the first game, they laid an egg that was prophetic for the entire rest of the season. It was sort of a foreshadowing. For it sure was. With sure the whole was. season. I remember seeing the score after that, uh, and I'm like, uh-oh. That doesn't look good. And the whole nation had us picked to be a, a, a juggernaut, you know, really. But isn't that, like you said, it's the curse. I don't know how yeah. you take it, Barry. I, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, it, that's been my entire life of, of being a fan of the Browns. It's been, what a freaking letdown, man. Mm. I, yeah. I mean, there were times, I remember one time watching a game and uh, I was alone. And I remember being so mad at the end of the game. I overturned furniture in my own living room. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Oh, so angry. I don't doubt it. We were, we were both pretty rabid uh, back then. I I'm remember. to the point now, I mean, easily the last six years, maybe seven. I don't, I don't yell anymore. I used to like if I were yeah. at a bar and they were on, I couldn't help it. It would be like, you know, and, right, uh, right. I couldn't help it. And uh, now I could be at home in the privacy of my own living room. And it's like, eh. in fact, what I normally do is I'm outside washing the cars or something like that. And I have it on inside and I, and I have it on the radio, which is like seven seconds right. ahead. Oh, so yeah. if there's actually a good play. Then I run over to the window and watch, so you can the, watch it, watch the play. On the, That's on the pretty TV. cool. That's my but, system. But this, I, I just, think about what you just told me mm. is that you you've basically figured out how to detach. tranquilize yourself detach yeah <laughs> so that you can't so you don't actually go through the emotional roller coaster that's anymore. it man you know and then i don't know what it is about cleveland but you can count on mondays to be gray and cloudy yeah. so you got a browns yeah. loss and you wake up to a gray and cloudy monday it's like you wonder why i get that seasonal affective disorder i hear you I hear you. I went through it with you. It was, yeah. it was, it, it's really a thing. I mean, it really, really is a thing. Gosh, man. I, I had, that was part of my whole reason for getting away from the NFL. I had some other reasons as well, but oh, I, I got to tell talk- you, I'm, I'm, I feel free, man. I mean, I feel, I feel like it's I've like you liberated. kicked a drug addiction. Yeah, it is like that. The monkey it's off your back. Like that. It right, was- right. Wasn't it uh, Kaepernick's kneeling? The final. It had everything to do with that. Yeah, it was just like, I totally wait a second. This is actually it went back. I I, I have to admit, I remember when uh, right before the Super Bowl, Obama came on and talked mm-hmm. about how if he had a son, he wouldn't let him play football. And I remember telling my wife, "Oh my God, the, he's he's aiming for the NFL. He's going to ruin it. He's going to wussify the NFL." Mm-hmm. And sure enough. Right mm-hmm. after that, these things started to happen, and it was just like, thanks for injecting politics into my beloved NFL. 
Yeah. I was trying to move my screen a little bit, see if the lighting got any better. Uh, yeah, you're looking good. But uh, no, I agree with you. And I, but I also think it's inevitable that the NFL gets wussified. I'll bet you, I'll bet you it peters out at some point in the near future. You know, for one, it's, it's kind of common sense that they find out about the, the amount of damage, the concussions that have been sustained it's you a real thing, Barry. I when mean, you it's got a the real awareness, thing. you can't yeah. just keep doing that to people. No, no. And you can see, I mean, it, first off, I don't know if legally they're going to be destroyed that mm. way because, I mean, the mm. lawsuits that are coming oh, against the NFL have been amazing. Uh, but uh, my, own, my own cousin who played semi-pro football, two of them, uh, uh, Keith and Joe, both died of ALS and wow. they uh, and now this is a disease that only something like one percent of people uh, it, 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 the disease is hereditary mm. and uh, if you've ever seen what ALS does to a person it's, it's got to be the worst way to die what happens is you slowly lose your ability to uh, coordinate your muscles your your nervous system is attacked and so uh first you won't be able to move your, your arm and then it'll go to the other arm and then to your legs and pretty soon what happens is it shuts down your your breathing system your oh. ability to breathe and you you're you can't you can't move your body uh, uh, we uh we were with keith all the way to the end and in the end, he was 100% paralyzed. He actually couldn't even move his face anymore. Was his mental faculties all there, though? Yes. Oh, that's and terrible. So, uh, it, it really was. So he was trapped in this, in this body that was diminishing day by day. And, and this guy was a former athlete. Mm. And it was really hard. I'll tell you what, though. The man had superior character. Um, mm. He even even when he couldn't use his voice anymore, and but he could still use his lips. Anne Marie could read lips, so he was still the uh, the center of attention. I mean, he was making jokes. He was uh, wow. he, he was he was doing things to cheer us up. Um, a real tribute to his character and his yeah. courage. Uh, he had a decision at one point to go on the respirator. Mm. or let things naturally happen but he knew that if he went on the respirator it was going to be a long hard road yes. he chose to go on the respirator he he decided that it was better to stay and be with us and so wow uh, this this whole experience we we were with him even at the day he said to us that once he could not do anything else uh to pull him from the respirator and so we were with him in the hospital the day that he pulled the respirator. I play guitar, as you know, and um, he loved to hear my, I, he forced me to bring my guitar every time we went every weekend, uh, forced me to bring my guitar, which really didn't really have to twist my arm that hard. But uh, I played uh, my guitar and worship songs and everything all the way to the end. And when he left this earth, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen, Barry. Uh, gave me comfort in passing on to the next world because, mm. uh, of course, he, he was a Christian and he was 100% paralyzed and they pulled him from the respirator. And I'll never forget, his eyes opened up. It looked like he was seeing somebody in the room and this, almost like he was glowing. And this, um, the most pleasant smile came across his face as if he was seeing somebody that he completely adored. And then he just 
faded away. Like he mm. left his body. And uh, I mean, talk about a sign that a, there was complete peace. He was hundred percent paralyzed. He couldn't mm. move his face. He mm. actually moved his face and made an expression. And, and uh, he just kind of like, it was almost like he was going off to the most happy place you could ever. Oh, go. sure. To be Especially freed. After seeing him like that for two years. Uh, oh, it was that him, long? Yeah. It, and seeing him be able to leave like that. Um, mm. Amazing, amazing thing right there. So that's a, it's a, quite an experience for the whole family. It's an interesting thing that that could be taken as such a sad story, but it also could be taken as such a happy story. It's something yeah. to celebrate. Gives me a lot of hope, that's for sure. But back to the NFL, I mean, these people in the NFL, there's been rampant suffering from ALS in the NFL, and mm. they're attributing this to the concussions. And sure enough, both these guys that had concussions uh, going through their, uh, their, their football experience, like I said, they played in high school, and they ended up playing, both of them playing semi-pro football as well. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh yeah, but going back to uh, some of the things we learned over our season one here, and season two will take us to our one-year anniversary in November, which yep. will be very exciting. Um, what were some other things that we had learned? Uh, did you have a – can you remember a favorite Yeah, episode? well, one of them was that uh, – <laughs> the microphone issue where we would record a show and realize that one of our microphones wasn't yeah, on. Yeah. Oh my God. Remember how mad we would get? Oh like, yeah. Oh, oh well yeah. we got to put it out there. Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> With that echoey sound in the yeah. background. Because oh my God. I hated yeah. that. And of course our problems that we've had with zoom. Uh, yes. We, uh, we, we people love the side by side and hopefully this one's going to work with we side just, by side. Yeah, we just got this figured out at the end of season one. Uh, and Zoom gives us a lot better quality than Skype, uh, just because Skype hiccups a lot. And I think video-wise, this gives us a little bit better video, too. Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, we, we started doing our, our specials, uh, special edition as well. And, I, I, like I said, I mean, every single episode, we learn a little bit more. We learn a, a bit more about how to bounce off of each other and, yeah. I know personally, I, I try not to go on these long diatribes because that's me, but I'm trying to get better at that. Well, you know what? That's something that we talked about real recently because we felt like we made a breakthrough a few shows ago and we were talking after that and we had decided it was because we just were inherently more interactive. We're actually interrupting each other because we were doing the opposite for most of this season. And that is because of Skype, we didn't, we're trying really hard not to interrupt each other because that would drain Skype's bandwidth or something and garble us up. And then it took a second to get out of it. So it was a mess. Um, but yeah, a couple episodes uh, ago, and, and the other thing is, is I, you really prepare very well for what you want to talk about, usually a political thing or something. And I see you on, I see your track and I don't want to interrupt it because I don't want you to lose the whole track. But as we talked about, I just decided I'm going to remember to hold that place. I'll interrupt you, but I'll bring you back to it. 
You're you know? really good at that too, is like oh, bringing us back to the subject, just mm-hmm. like you just did just now. <laughs> right. Back to the, uh, the things. <clears throat> I did want to say this, mm-hmm. that uh, one of the best things about doing this show uh, over this season has been the feedback that we've been able to receive. And um, gosh, I, I just got, we, we just got some feedback from an old friend, Mike Erdman, yeah. uh, just recently. And uh, you were commenting that you hadn't heard that name for such a long time. I think yeah. since college, maybe. Yeah, close um, to it anyway, sure. Well, get this, Barry, is uh, after I got, after we got that comment, Mike got a hold of me and he teaches a photography class. And because of COVID-19, he does it over Zoom. Hmm. And so he had heard, remember, he was commenting on that quote that he he had quoted me, which was, uh, uh, be light at this time because it's Hmm. critical for your moving forward. And he had happened to have a quote that he had given his class a couple of weeks ago that was very similar. So he invited me to be a part of his class really the, the other day oh. <clears throat> and, and, and be encouraging to his class regarding this time of darkness and being light in the oh, midst nice. of darkness and how this was a, a great opportunity for them and to view it that way. And if they did, they would have success. And I was so honored. At the same time, it was just so awesome to be, I mean, I've known Mike since junior high school. It was mm-hmm. just so awesome to be in there with him and just, he's not, he's the same as he was back then. I mean, he's always been so interested in the subjects that he's teaching right now. Mm-hmm. And so, God, what an opportunity. And and just, I've, we've heard from so many people that uh, new friends and old friends and mm-hmm. <clears throat> like you were saying, it's like, this is the thing that keeps us going. Yeah. We have gotten a lot of awesome feedback. I think it's something about our generation uh, that just don't leave comments on, on either. I ask every week leave Mike did though. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little more technologically adept uh, it, part of his job. Right, but I think right. most of us are not are like afraid. Uh, people just a little bit younger than us will just, you know, comment a little too much. And all these things go a little too overboard, make it about me. Uh, but our fans, man, they will text us, email us, face Facebook message us anything, but leave it out there in public. Come on, guys. Join in the join in the fun. Yeah, we yeah, want to you know, hear from you. It makes our day for it sure. It does. <laughs> and I like to hear uh, others' opinion on what we're talking about, their perspective, or even their unique story. Because we're always talking about trying to give some kind of inspiration and information. That's kind of our credo. You know, speaking of that, Barry, uh, one of the things that Mike was teaching his class, I had a chance to, to log in beforehand. So you got all these young people that are in his photography class and, and it was on the, that day they had to do their uh, show their self portraits. That was the assignment. And uh, Mike's lesson at the beginning was so inspirational and it had to do with his quote was that, everything you do in life is a self-portrait. And um, he was saying that, um, you know, when you take a self-portrait or of somebody, there's really two people in the picture. There's the person in the picture and the person that took the picture because it, wow. they're actually displaying themselves and their personality when they take the picture. And then he went on to teach the class that everything you do is a self-portrait. And he talked about, uh, you know, he, he gave some examples. <clears throat> One of them was Instagram. 
and he said, you know, you ever notice that people on Instagram, a lot of them are just showing themselves and look how cool I am. And oh, uh, look about. at me here and look at me Facebook there too, and look yeah. what I'm doing here. And he says, have you ever noticed that you start to get the impression that this person is extremely arrogant mm. and um, all they think about is themselves? Or when you look at a Yelp review and you're looking at a, a restaurant, you see all these great comments. But then the one, there's always the one person there that's writing. They give it a terrible review and they just talk all about how horrible the experience was. And he says, you ever notice that? that actually is telling more about the person than about mm -hmm. the restaurant. Sure. He says, you know, anytime you put something in writing, that, you know, it's very important that you realize that that never goes away. Like oh, that's, that's going to so be true. there forever. And you all are going to be out there looking for jobs. And let me tell mm -hmm. you that the people that are looking to hire are going to scan the internet and they're going to look for what kind of person that you are. And if you're always negative about everything, they're not going to want to infuse that into their company. Yes. And I just thought, who teaches that kind of thing and instills that into young people? I, I just thought, what, a, what an awesome thing that he's doing and, and really parlaying that kind of wisdom to people in a photography it's class. It's important, especially at that age where they get caught up there. There's, and this is well-documented that so many of the younger uh, people these days have a lot of anxiety because of what you said about they think that they're living, trying to live up to all these perfect people that they see on Instagram and Facebook and other right. social media. And it is, it's very much a facade. It causes a lot of anxiety. And just to back up what you said, I've said this before, I believe this, that social media is very, it's probably not even in its adolescence yet. Um, comparatively speaking, hmm. it, mm -hmm. it's been so primal. You know, it's literally about 12 years old. Facebook is about 12 years old. That's where most of, most of us got started. Uh, what was there? There was a one before that. Uh, oh, MySpace. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so it's just, it, it was very primal. It didn't take very long for me to realize that, oh, it got so political in the Obama era. And then that's when people chose their sides and then went to war because it's online, it's online road rage. You're hiding behind your keyboard. I'm terrible in a car. Ask Lisa. I, I am just yelling uh, obscenities, you know, in my safe little space of my car uh, all the time. Well, that's, that's what social media is. You hide behind your keyboard, but I think people are just starting to really, on, as, a more, as a whole, starting to accept the fact that even if it's your virtual self, you still have a reputation. Yes. Yeah. You have a virtual DNA out there that yeah. people can go to and, and look at it. And you need to guard that mm -hmm. uh, with your life because it, becomes a just like Mike said this is a self-portrait I love your analogy by the way of uh, being in a car and mm -hmm. just blurting out things it's and, road rage and, and and you're right that people I was I was comparing it to going into a public restroom and you see graffiti on there and it's always some terrible thing about your mother or something that uh, nobody would ever say to your face, but yeah. they feel like they could just write it out there. And you're seeing this kind of thing on social media. It's like whatever comes to your mind, for some reason, people feel compelled to just write it down and put it out there to the world. Right. And uh, I got a question for you. Does it seem to you like this 
you know, we, we talk a lot about, and you talked about it on the last interview that we did, uh, the, after 9-11, this, um, mm. this patriotism that happened, which mm. I'd never experienced that kind of patriotism and that sort of oneness before. And now that COVID-19 has happened, you're really not seeing that. You're seeing a lot of parody. Would you attribute that to the social media phenomenon? Ooh. Oh, that's a strange question. You know, I, I, it made me think about a post I saw today on Nextdoor. And our app out here in Cleveland Heights has been worse than Facebook as far as worse. Snippy. Wow. Yes. These neighbors get on each other and get offended and get lay into each other like you wouldn't believe. Wow. And I'll throw a comment out there from time to time, like, you know, before you tar and feather your neighbor, let's uh, think about something else. Well, I, what I've kind of been seeing, and I made this comment today, there was talk about the East Cleveland schools having this yeah. uh, in their car parade uh, that came into Cleveland Heights and they're honking the horns and stuff. And somebody just asked what it was about. That became like 40 responses of varying degrees of, well, it started out in East Cleveland. That's where these schools are. But the one uh, elementary school is right there in Cleveland Heights. That's why it was there. And but one out of these 40 responses, so then it became about, well, they, do, they don't have any money. And then somebody that works there explained about how they're just doing some stuff for the kids. They miss the kids. They love the kids. And, uh, and that was very touching. You got the one out of literally 40 people, though. You got the one twice she made a post trying to turn it into a racial thing ah. and, and to get the board to blow up. And it used, to happen, it used to work every time. It did not work this time. I had to make a comment about that because uh, twice she uh, said something about, you know, you all don't uh, say anything if it's about white people, but you know, uh. because this is a black school system, nobody responded to her. Dude, I was moved by that. And that's kind of what I just was speaking to when I said, we may not even be in our adolescence yet, but I do think we're going to grow. And I think we are. It's just That's a positive. Slow, I love that process. I so hope you're I, right about that. I hope so too. Uh, we're all evolving. This, the whole tech revolution happened very quickly, very, very quickly. The internet, I made my first website in 1996. That was, um, a wow. long time ago, yeah. but not so long ago. No, you're right. In, you know? in the in the in the window of technology, that mm. that's a long time ago. But in in real life, that it was pretty much yesterday. Yeah, to say the least. And then I remember it was around 2006 that. I converted over to WordPress websites, which are, it's, it's kind of what we call web 2.0 when they're all database driven and talking to each other. You leave a response, it creates this, that makes this happen. Whereas before that, there used to be online brochures and that was it. Right. Right. So now it's all interactive and dude, that's 2006. So the way the world has changed since then to 2020, not that long of a span of time. Not long at all. You know, but we are, I mean, we are so used to it that it seems like a long time. It seems like our whole lives. It's, you know, it's not. Now in, in technology, I mean, you know, you got a new 
smartphone that comes out every year and mm-hmm. it's so much better than the last smartphone mm-hmm. so it makes a 12 month period of time a long time now yeah. in the technology world mm-hmm. when at the same time as we get older time seems to be going by faster and faster you know I can't, it's like Christmas already again. Yes. You're actually mad because it's Christmas. <laughs> you got to go shopping all over yeah, again. But yeah. you know, lie I to think, our kids. Yeah, I lie to our kids about a, Santa Claus. Oh, uh, you know what? I did. I, I, I we I'll had this never forget how horrible that was. But uh, I felt so guilty. Uh, I think this is a good time to transition into uh, Joe Rogan's podcast because oh, okay, we're talking sure. about technology and that mm. had and the evolution of technology. And I thought it was interesting how he tied in that whole podcast into, uh, why don't um, you explain what we're talking about? Well, so Joe Rogan, uh, did a show and, uh, I actually had never seen his podcast before. I know that you're a big fan of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the actual show was, uh, Bob Lazar. He had Bob Lazar and Jeremy Corbell on the show. And and Bob Lazar is a physicist who worked at uh, Los Alamos National Laboratories in New Mexico and also on reverse engineering extraterrestrial technology at a site called S4 near the Area Area 51 Groom Lake operating location. And Jeremy Corbell is uh, a contemporary artist. He's a documentary filmmaker. And they've got this new documentary on... Netflix, Netflix now called uh, Bob Lazar Area 51 and Flying Saucers. So, and I'll tell you, it's awful. It's absolutely <clears throat> awful. Oh, is it? I, it I is. What, that, what? That, that podcast. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I had to watch it a second time because I was really tired the first time. I was kind of falling in and out of sleep. And, and even You're talking past, about the documentary, right? The Not documentary. The, yeah, okay. Correct. Right, the podcast good. is amazing. And I right. kept asking, asking you to listen to it. Uh, because I told you all about it. And, uh, but the documentary is, you know, the, some of those cheesy UFO documentaries are yes. like, they try to talk real mysterious. Yeah, and yeah. And it's just, in, oh, he, they had Mickey Rourke do this intermittent narration. I didn't huh. know it was Mickey Rourke because he sounds like a really old man with this real garbled voice you couldn't understand for the most part. It was horrible. And, and that producer guy largely made himself the star of it, which was mm, like, I'm not surprised by that. Oh, it was so no, don't bother with that, but listen to that podcast. Cause uh, now Bob Lazar is a very reluctant, uh, whatever you want to call him, UFO guy, uh, witness or participator, whatever. And Rogan drug him onto that podcast. And uh, Lazar was like, you know, suffering from a migraine through the whole first half of it. Largely, I think he's just really um, stressed, anxiety. Very stressed, yeah. Yeah. But Rogan is such a UFO nut. And he's been following Lazar for the 30 years or so that this has been public. And uh, he, so Rogan's firing the questions. He wants those answered, just like you or I would. So, I, I didn't even ask you, what did you think of the podcast? I found it extremely compelling. I, uh, first off, uh, I would say that I, I felt sorry for Bob Lazar. Um, I, I have to say that uh, it's funny because Joe Rogan talked about skeptics and how he didn't yeah. like skeptics. And I was extremely skeptical sure. when, I, when I came into this. And I, I, I tried very hard to come in with a very open mind. 
And I, and I think I was able to accomplish that um, because I started to feel empathy for Bob Lazar as I was watching this. Now, his work that he did at uh, the, the site next to Area 51 was when he was in his 20s, and he only was there for six months. And he tells the whole story about how he got involved with this whole thing and the story about how he had put a jet engine into his, uh, his Volkswagen or something like that. And that's how <laughs> that's he how got attention. Him. Yeah, that's yeah. how they, he got the attention, and that's how they ended up uh, putting him into this whole thing. But um, Because they wanted a fresh set of eyes to try Somebody to that could think outside the box and reverse engineer this what seems to be an anti-gravity uh, reactor reactor right right and this is this this sphere that, uh, that okay so he he's introduced into area 51 uh, and he's working on this reactor and the interesting thing was that the 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 military that was really overseeing this or, or this group of scientists, they had some pretty serious rules that he could only speak with his partner. Uh, he could only uh, uh, share information between he and this other guy, coincidentally named Barry. And, and uh, he the, was given no more information that was no. absolutely necessary to finish that task of the day. So the way he described it was there was this fear, this sphere that, uh, I, you know, I saw it as probably the size of a beach ball mm -hmm. um, and it, it could, you could take off the top of it. And when you, when you put it together, it would automatically come on. And the first thing that he that said was, <clears throat> first thing he said was, A, there was no, no wires whatsoever in this mm -hmm. device, uh, which blew his mind. And secondly, when it came on, the guy Barry asked him to uh, go ahead, try to touch it. And he couldn't touch it as if there was some sort of a force field around it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they surmised that this was the device <clears throat> that powered these, these vehicles, of which they had nine vehicles in this uh, He in saw this nine. Hangers. He all saw different. nine of them. Yeah. All, all, the same, all the same propulsion, but just different designs. Right, right. Now, I found some things. So here's why I felt sorry for him is because eventually he is, he's out of this whole organization. He screwed it up. He well, screwed he, it up. He, he said he, that was his one regret is that, you know, people are like, did you ever regret coming out about this? And, and he did. We'll get to that because that's what people want to know. Well, why did this guy come out and, you know, getting famous from this? No, he didn't want to do this. Trying to make sure he didn't get disappear. Some, some things happened where mm -hmm. they, the security of course is very high on this and things happened where uh, his wife started to think that he was cheating on him mm -hmm. because on her, because he had to do these things at all hours and he had to be away for two or three. He couldn't weeks tell her anything. And he couldn't tell her because of the security. So, mm -hmm inadvertently she ended up having an affair well they were monitoring the phone lines at his house and really monitoring him and as a result the security forces had decided that hey this guy is a risk now because his family life is not stable and they they started to not let him come into work well he started to become paranoid about that so he didn't he thought well these guys aren't going to just let me go out into public so i need to protect myself and so what he did in order to protect himself was tell his friends about it and because he knew that there were these flight schedules for testing the actual uh, uh vehicles and i want um, to explain something there go right is ahead they there. they figured out how to fly them but they didn't know how they worked 
And he used right. the analogy. It's like if you transported a motorcycle back into the mid 1800s, wagon wheel days, eventually they're going to figure out how to start it up and ride it. They just won't understand how the hell it works. Same thing. Well, once he told his friends about it, they ended up getting caught viewing the, these test flights that apparently were on Wednesday nights. And, uh, and then he was really in for it. And he ended up going to a, a talk show host um, by the last name is Knapp. Uh, he, George Knapp. George Knapp. And, um, and the that's, leading this was UFO investigative. Report. And I really saw that as this was him trying to protect his life. And sure. that's really why he came out with this whole thing. I was trying to put that all in a nutshell as why he right. came this because i was skeptical why would a guy come out exactly. and say that he saw this which really had ruined his whole life uh, and either he's, he's taken, trying to get attention or he's telling the truth and he's never taken any money for it not from the autobiography even uh rogan you know as usual offered to pay for his flight to come out for the podcast he didn't accept that money either he paid right. for his own tickets i the reason i i felt so bad for this guy is uh, obviously, he believes everything that he saw. Uh, it seemed very apparent to me that he was he was witnessing something that was very different. He's a, he's a physicist. He he knows that what he was working on is something that really science hasn't developed or something that he hasn't seen, or at least that's what he believed. Um, there were there are people that are as Barry was talking about this UFO. Uh, documentary there are people that are crazy nuts about ufos and that's mm -hmm. drawn a lot of those people into his life people sleeping on his front yeah. lawn as he talked about and so this has been he pleaded and, with people to not please, come to please his don't house. come to my house um <laughs> and so it, 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 like he said people would come up to him and they're just like you got to talk to me man yeah. you know and there's it, the schizophrenics and things like that were involved so there's a lot of clouded mystery around this whole thing what a few of the things that came out to me that jumped off the page were that uh again he wasn't allowed to ask questions uh he right. wasn't he he was very separated he was only allowed to work on the propulsion system none of the other parts of it he had mm -hmm. talked about going into one of these vehicles and how it was otherworldly uh, and he had also talked about how he was told that these vehicles had come from a star system called Zeta Reticuli, which is mm -hmm. a binary star system in the Southern Hemisphere. But he also said along with that, that many times he was given misleading or false information in order to protect the security so that if he were to ever go out and speak about it that he might sound crazy and also they would know where this information came that's from. what it was so they could track who the leak was they would give individual people certain individual uh misinformation now another thing he said that they do on occasion is plant people that look that seem like loons that are talking about UFOs. They saw UFOs that are abducted or whatever. So right. that people would be like, yeah, they're all loons. And I don't want to say I believe in it because I don't want to be identified with the loons. Well, it made me think that the partner that he had, whose name was Barry, who uh, uh, Bob had said had he didn't know this for sure, but believed that this guy Barry had been involved in the program for a long time. It made me start to believe that maybe 
Barry was giving him misinformation as well. Mm. It, quite possible. Um, because uh, the, he talked about how there, at one time, and this was in 1988, that the Russians were actually there sharing information with the Americans. And at, at the, a certain point, he was told, uh, he didn't actually see the Russians, but he was told by Barry that the, quote, commies were there. And then uh, he learned that the Russians were kicked out of the site and not allowed to come back. And I started to think, hmm, now that's interesting. Why would we even attempt to share that information mm -hmm. with the Russians during the height of the Cold War? Right. Um, that didn't seem to jive to me. But, but they uh, were trying desperately to figure things out, and they were getting nowhere. So it seemed like a good idea until what you just brought up is he said one of the other teams obviously had a major breakthrough. And that's when they ejected the Russians and they were never allowed back because we didn't want to share the technological information. I thought the guy, Bob, was very good at saying, this is what I saw with my own eyes and this is the part that I'm speculating about. Oh, he and was. So, um, so I came away with that as, okay, I believe that... I, I had a hard time swallowing that this came from some binary star system mm -hmm. and that there, he didn't say anything about seeing alien bodies or anything like right. that. Only this, only this uh, apparatus. Uh, so I had a hard time believing in the, because they went on to talk about advanced life and how this advanced life form that maybe was millions of years old had, had been able to uh, find this and this, uh, Maybe this is where we're evolving to and everything. I thought those were giant leaps uh, in I saw, speculation. I, it's stuff that I've theorized about for We've many years. We've talked about it as well. well. We have. And because what they said is they speculate because the beings that have been talked about and they're really very consistent have no sex organs. And, you know, the big has the green bodies, the big eyes, very life uh, arms and, and legs. So they're not physically strong. And um, the speculation is that they are a hybrid of uh, organic and techno technological advance uh, merging. And I right. know we're heading towards that. Well, it's it. interesting that you're saying that because I, I really thought that that part was one of the most fascinating parts of mm -hmm. the show is that um, they were speculating that these creatures that people have reported on and now let me just make clear that bob lazar didn't say that he saw anything nope. like that nope. um but there's been these people that have said that they've seen this and as barry said no sex organs on these people mm -hmm. weird that they always the people that are reporting seem to say that they were experimented on and that that was especially regarding their sexual organs but mm -hmm. um that these these beings Okay, uh, could be maybe even complete androids. Maybe they're actually machines uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, mm -hmm. and we are seeing where, you know, these cybernetic type beings, much like uh, uh, the movie The Terminator, have been developed here on Earth where. Sex industry is big on that, dude. 
well, and and not even that, but the, it just we're seeing where they're developing human-like people that can actually not people, but they're machines, but they mm-hmm. look like people that trying have to make androids, artificial intelligence in them, mm-hmm. and machine learning. It's and coming. So we're seeing that kind of thing, and something that I brought up to your attention. I think this was on a side conversation that you and I were having. That a lot of this kind of stuff is actually in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we do. look at uh, the book of the Revelation where you have this person called the Antichrist and you have the false prophet and you have this thing that's happening where they're creating a, a, a mechanism that looks just like the Antichrist is a person, looks just like him, and they put them all over the country. The false prophet causes people to worship this person and that this this uh, this machine is animated to look exactly like the, the actual person who has the power to cause fire to come down from heaven to destroy his enemies. And we look at GPS technology that's out there and laser technology right now. So I just wanted to point out but that. But you made mention about, you said there's something in the Bible they said about an implant. Yes. Implant. Yeah, well, that? there's, there's, it's called the mark of the beast, and the mark actually is something that goes inside of the back of your right hand or into your forehead, and so you're not able to buy and sell or head. be a part of society if you don't have the mark. And so, with uh, as Barry's bringing up iPhones, satellite technology, GPS. The ability that you can actually track people and where they, their movements are and that you can download all this data on these people. Well, with chip technology, these things can now be implanted. And by the way, Barry, there are companies out there, not here in the United States, that are implanting those that type of technology into people right now. Sure. Hey, we chip our dogs here. Um, yeah. Sure. I mean, that's right now we just hold it in our hands. And we're all obsessed with it, staring into the little screen all day, no matter where we are. Hell, you can't even get somebody to go after a light turns green on the road because they're staring at their damn phone. Well, these uh, guys on the show were bringing up the fact that tech, that maybe this technology that keeps evolving is what we're supposed to do. Bees make honeycombs, oh, right. and maybe this is what we're supposed to do. And really, if you take a look at the prophecies that are in the Bible, I don't think these guys are too far off. Mm. I mean, they're, obviously, they're not looking at it from a biblical point of view, but I found myself in agreement with a lot mm. of the worldly things that they were saying mm. as it applies to the Bible and found myself in agreement that, you know what? These things are happening on their own volition. Mm-hmm. They, they've been foretold since for thousands of years. And how could anybody predict that these things would happen that are happening right before our very 20 years eyes right ago, now? 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you could not uh, have this conversation, really. Um, I know that I was still interested. I, I used to subscribe to that magazine called Discover. And oh, yeah. About quantum uh, quantum, quantum physics the- yeah. theories. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the best analogy that they made is, um, regarding our possible change in evolution is you mentioned the beehives. These bees have been making beehives for, you know, who, who knows how long, but they're always the same. They're right. beautiful. They're sophisticated. They're really cool, but they, they're always the same. 
Whereas we are always trying to make everything better. It can't be fast enough. It can't be small enough. It can't uh, be more powerful enough. So whether it's G4, G5, G10 uh, technology, a faster processor, a larger screen, higher definition, all of these things, it has to be better and better and better. And the uh, great analogy was, so the caterpillar who's making this cocoon, who's spending all that, he doesn't know why. It's just a prime directive that's recorded in his DNA. When he finishes his cocoon, he ends up blossoming into this whole other creature, this beautiful butterfly. And so it's very possible that that's what our drive is, this in, insane drive to develop this technology to these incredible heights to where we're going to merge with it completely and, and emerge as an entirely new superior being. Well, I, in many ways, I agree with what you're saying. And as I thought about the whole beehive thing, it's like, okay, so bees didn't actually learn how to make the honeycomb. They've always been doing that. That was that, like you said, that's put into their DNA. I believe that God put that into their DNA, but God made us according to the Bible uh, in his image and God is a creative spirit. And so I don't believe that any of this technology is a mistake I don't believe that the technology is from the devil. I believe that God has inspired us with the the will and to do to make these types of uh, technology. And again, how could he have predicted, how could anybody have predicted that these things would happen and the technology would be available exactly the way it's predicted? Another thing that's in the book is that there are these two prophets that are going to be at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and uh, that uh, they'll be killed. And when they're killed, this is during the time of the tribulation, that the whole world would celebrate during a three-day period and give gifts to each other. Well, how in the world could the whole world even be, be notified within that quick a period of time unless there was satellite technology for everybody to be able to look at it and then have enough time to go out and buy gifts and everything like that? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that points to the technology that we have today that was written 2,000 years ago. Mm. You know, another point that was a really great subject matter is brought up on that podcast was the element 115 oh yeah which was the fuel for the ufos that uh bob lazar had been talking about since he came pu became public in the early 90s or 89 whenever that was and uh you know government denied it denied it denied it it got added to the periodic elemental periodic chart in i think 2014 um, Somewhere around there. Yeah, they claim to have been able to uh, manufacture, create some of it that could last like a millisecond in like 2003. So Lazar explained that, well, w w that uh, Beta Reticuli galaxy and the planet that this is supposedly from, is from has much heavier forms of elements than we do. And that element 115 is available abundantly there in a stable in a stable form so it's it's not evaporating it's not giving off radiation it's, it's just completely stable and uh the fuel for the ufos well we're trying to we're we're coming up to a point where we can manufacture it artificially we just haven't got it stable yet but it's a pretty much amazing that we got it added to the elemental chart 
Well, I, I think the really cool thing that they were saying about that is as they were speculating if these so-called beings from another planet uh, were more advanced than us, uh, Bob Lazar was saying, well, really, may, if they have this in abundance to them, this is really primitive stuff. Uh, this is like us using fire uh, with wood as or mm. the steam engine. Steam engine. Then uh, we move so to the, the combustion engine finally. If there then, are these other people, yeah, that they may not be more advanced than us. This just may be what was already there when they got What they there. started with. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. Again, it was. I had a. Uh, I, I found it to be very compelling. Uh, I think people should take a look at it and have an open mind. Again, I there was a part where Joe Rogan went off and talked about, uh, you know, he hates skeptics and they should look at hardline science. And um, and I'm a person that is deep deep believer in what it says in the Bible. I'm skeptical about things that would challenge the Bible, but I do want to look at those things with an open mind mm -hmm. and find ways to find common ground and mm -hmm. find out how maybe those things could be incorporated into the Bible as I've been able to talk about here today. Mm -hmm. And again, being able to talk about it with you, Barry, is a treat. Oh, it's fascinating. Um, it, it's really fascinating. Another thing about the propulsion and the anti-gravity reactor and the way the UFO flies. When we see footage of them and they're just in one place and then another and darting from one, one side to another, uh, impossible, just defying physics. And, and we would say if a human being was in there, they'd be splattered by the inertia right. and everything. And well, what he says is, you know, this anti-gravity machine creates this cone-like dome over top of the UFO and it distorts because what, if you could harness gravity, which we didn't even recognize was a true way, we had never known what gravity really was. And, but still don't still recently, it's only recently recognized gravitational waves. And, and you're right, we still really don't. And so this makes this anti-gravity and forms almost like a force, force field around the UFO, the flying saucer. And he says, if you, get, if you walk directly underneath of it, you can't even see the saucer because it's distorting the light right around it. And so it also can distort time and space. And so I don't think they actually said this, but it seems to me, and I've wondered about this for a little while, is, you know, you wonder how something can travel 30 light years. And right. Yeah. Well, if it's distorting time, that's what, when you see it just jumping around. And the video footage that we see of UFOs, they're always jumping around from one spot to another. And I think it's distorting time. I think well, it's doing it, minor time jumps. It makes sense, Barry, because if you look at the theory of relativity, it has everything to do with gravity and yeah. time and space distortion. And this, uh, you know, the guy, the, the old, the guy that takes off on a rocket ship and goes uh, light yeah. speed and, um, and then comes back and he's a young man and everybody's old. Yeah. It's a yeah. very interesting thing. And again, relating that to the Bible, it, Jesus calls, uh, the, the Bible calls God light. He is light. And so uh, this, and it says that God is outside of time. And so he can come into time. 
Uh, he's looking at time like it's an object and he can come into time. And there are times in the Bible in his glorified body where he appears in one place and then can appear in a, a completely different place many miles away. Uh, this is a distortion of time and space. And the, these things all completely made sense to me. They, they, oh, and one last thing he said too, and this is important, I think, is that if we as Americans can master gravity based on what Barry was just talking about, from a military point of view, game over. Nobody oh, yeah. can touch us. I That's mean, if, what he if said. We could have a, a force field around all of our... Anything our, we want. Our, uh, you know, and, and nobody could touch us. For, for real, nobody could touch us. So this brought me back to this whole thing of, could this actually be something that maybe isn't from another planet? And much like the, uh, I saw this documentary called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon, where it actually portrays the fact that we may not have actually gone to the moon. I know that sounds crazy, but the, the, it does. Was very compelling evidence that was inside of this documentary yeah. that Saturn V rockets are actually the same rockets that carried nuclear warheads and that the that this was really more of an arms race than a space race. And when you take a look at the Van Allen radiation belt that uh, scientists know about, that you would actually need a craft that had lead around it an inch thick and that we don't have any kind of rocket that could carry anybody through that, that they would, if we didn't have that, that astronauts would have died going through that Van Allen radiation belt. Mm. There's other evidence as well um, that maybe this was similar, that the military actually knows all about this. And that's why Bob wasn't allowed to share information with other people, only talk to his partner, and that this is something that's so well guarded that we wouldn't want our enemies to have this kind of technology because much like we talked about the space program, if mm -hmm. China were to get this, they would be able to dominate us. Oh yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things to unpack on this whole thing that we'll never be able to unpack on this show. I know, but it's exciting and more and more information is coming out. You know, just I think it was this morning. I saw when I go digging for my inspirational videos and stuff like that after in the second half of my COVID-19 workouts, uh, I came across this UFO documentary. It apparently was something of a trailer, like a nine minute trailer. And it's for close encounters of the fifth kind. What and is that? It's a, it's a documentary that's coming out and I forget the doctor's name it's his documentary but he said it, it's it seems like it was primarily about uh that where we are now is we've just gotten to the point that we know ufos exist we, it's full knowledge that the government's been studying them for all these decades now we used to think they used to deny project blue book and then they right. said it was now we know they've been studying them all this time we know that for a fact so he says then and and how they would plant people silly people as i mentioned a little while ago that would act like they've been abducted or seen ufos but they were discrediting the real people you know, uh, by right. planting lo loony people out there. He says, so the next phase, he goes, this is going to happen. I'm trying to think of how he said it is, oh, I got to go back and watch it again. But he already was telling us what the government is going to be feeding the media. Um, oh, about impending intergalactic war. 
that they want, okay, that aliens, yes, we're all going to accept that aliens do exist, except that they're, they're not benevolent, that they're violent, that they, they are a threat, and we need to get this space race going or something like that because of the in, in, a fear of intergalactic war. I'm like, wow, that's a jump. But it is a jump. Don't you think, I mean, as we take a look at COVID-19 and look at this through the lens of COVID-19, doesn't it seem to you that there, that the government actually has an advantage to deceive us and make us fear? Yeah, COVID-19 is like, not really that real. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying this, that they seem to look at the $2 trillion uh, stimulus package, look mm -hmm. at the, the new one that's coming out that they want to be bigger than that. It seems mm. to me that mm. fear is how they can capitalize. They can capitalize on our fears in order to gain more power. And I, I'm personally not buying into the intergalactic war thing, although it's exciting. That's, that was it, a warning. I say believe that it's that, misinformation. Yeah, I believe that that's information that can cause us to pump a whole bunch more of our tax dollars into a program. And I don't know. I I've been I've become jaded for sure on, on what yeah. I don't trust anything the news is telling me. I or don't either. Government is telling me. I just these guys are rascals, man. No, I totally agree. That was uh, that's what I got out of that trailer of that documentary yeah. is that he was warning, preparing us for that, that that's the next big step in manipulating us. And it's, it's worth knowing about being aware about, you know, just in case you start hearing that kind of stuff. Well, and you, you hear this kind of stuff and you think, man, you know, this could be used in so many ways to deceive us. And, and as I take, again, my biblical view of this, there's something that's called the rapture where people disappear from the planet Earth uh, and, and meet the Lord in, in, in heaven. And uh, but boy, you know, the, the world that's left behind could easily blame that on space aliens and and things like that. So I, I just think it's really interesting that this is all coming out right now. I do believe that um, there's a lot of stuff that, this is what I came away with after I watched the show. There's just a lot of stuff we just don't know. We have no idea who's telling the truth. And I believe that that guy is uh, a sincere person, I but he too. fully admitted he didn't know everything either. No, that's very true. I'm just going to mention that we are aware that we are at an hour and 16 minutes. We normally stop at an hour. We just, we talked beforehand and said, we're just going to have a good time. And just, you know, we didn't follow our regular format, which, you know, we started out by intentionally taking a look back at how we started. You and I talked about the other day, how just organically our format, uh, kind of kind of got signed sealed and delivered we we do uh, a third of the show approximately as, on the, what we call the 050 part and that's talking about how we better ourselves with our careers and uh inspirationally and that kind of stuff and then in this middle segment we talk about whether it's metaphysical or this kind of stuff uh, ufo kind of thing may lead lead into the spiritual stuff somewhere in there we segue into that organically. And then that leads us to current events slash politics. That just, that really came to be early on our format. You know, it you serves know, us you, well. If you think about it though, we, we covered all those things today in this, in this and it <laughs> just kind of spontaneously See? happened. It's what we do. It's what we do. So um, I, I wonder knowing where we're at here, 
if uh, you wanted to talk about taking a look forward. Okay, so we took a look back at over 50 starting over. How about, uh, do you want to, we talk about our dreams of what we would like to do with this going forward in the future. And I don't know how personal it is to us or want to just like let it fly and talk about some of our dreams. Yeah, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot. I mean, it's kind of, I know for me starting off early with the podcast thinking and daydreaming about, I would like very next step, I would love to see Merle spin off his own channel and to talk about whatever he wants to talk about in whatever format he wants to talk about. Meaning for you, it's largely your, your Christianity your deep uh, Christian practices. And it is uh, a political, you're a political historian and you're a devout Republican. So it, it could be, you know, it could be all of that can, can be its own show. I, I would correct one thing and say sure. that I'm not a devout Republican. I'm a, I'm a conservative and that oh, means boy. I'm a constitutionalist and I don't trust the Republicans or the Democrats. Uh, Thank you for I, correcting me. That's an yeah, important point. It is a, a very important mm-hmm. point. I, I believe that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Agreed. And we've got a problem on both sides of the aisle. So I am certainly not beholden to the Republican Party. If, if, um, if somebody is supporting the Constitution and really the, the original intent of the Constitution, and that's really my, the thing that I love, which I believe is an, an inspired document, mm-hmm. uh, then I don't care if they've got a D or an R or if they're okay. a libertarian or whatever, I'm, I, I would vote for that person. Uh, but, that's interesting. I'm glad you said that. And, and you know, my whole thing is, um, I'm, I, you are, you're right, as far as my Christianity goes, I love the Lord, I love Jesus, and I believe that history is his story. And so the things that have been happening in history, as they say, history is bound to repeat itself. The other thing, too, is that there are uh, hundreds and hundreds of biblical prophecies that are in the Bible. It's the only book that actually foretells the future. So as I look at history, I can see how it fits into his story. And as I look at the future, I can see where this whole story is leading us as I've as I was mentioning about the book of the revelation and there's many other books inside of the Bible that talk through that. So yeah, you're right, Barry. Um, so we're that, talking about your own channel. See how passionate you are about that. <laughs> so it would be really nice where you can just, uh, you know, people come on this. We talked about, we we've got a, a good fan base that people are really enjoying what we're doing. I say that very humbling. It, it is very humbling that uh, when we get some really powerful feedback and I know that people, a lot of people fall in love with you and would like to see more of what you have to offer. So I would really like that. We've discussed this a lot and we've always said and agreed, but this is the mothership. This, this, what we do right here will never go away. I don't believe that anything happens by an accident. And, Mm. and, and this really has come together almost magically, Barry. And Mm -hmm. I always believe that when, I mean, this is why I did the show in the first place is because I felt in my heart that it was time to do this. And it it just lined up so perfectly. I just believe it is God's will. And I have this dream in my heart. I really do, Barry, Mm -hmm. to be able to share the good news. And, um, And it comes from 
my love of the Bible and, and the Lord and history. Um, one thing I wanted to say, though, is that there was a time in my life where I just believed that God was not satisfied with me and that I had to do something in order to satisfy him and lead this good life. And there was an epiphany that I had several years ago where I learned that it was my trying to do that whole thing was really based out of self-righteousness. And I found out from, from the word that my righteousness isn't something that I can put together on my own power whatsoever. It all comes from the Lord and it's a gift from him. And boy, that was a freeing moment for me to realize that God accepts me for exactly who I am, all my mistakes, past, present, and future, he's already forgiven, and that I can just lead, live my life and just be me. And I was- And this is why you need your own channel. Well, this is just like the show too, Barry, Mm -hmm. because we come on the show- we're not trying to be somebody that we're not. Correct. And that's, that's, the, that's very important. It is. That's and very that, important because it's, it's what makes people, the show successful. People um, detect being unauthentic. Inauthentic. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and it's a big turnoff. So it's been very important. And it's a time in our life. There's something like after you turn 50, you just don't give a shit that much anymore about there things is something that, about that. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it, you just want to be authentic and, and let go of the other stuff, at least a lot more. So I want to just get back to we, because we got another show to do actually in a little yeah. while. So talking about looking forward, our dreams go way further than just that. That's just where they have started about spinning this channel off into other channels, bringing on other guests. But we have a much, much deeper goal. And it's really kind of, I don't know how to, we always, when we talk about it, it takes a lot of words uh, because we don't have great terminology to describe it all. But kind of like what we have talked a lot about is setting up a first kind of gated gated community that is uh it's to support people in our in our retire i say so-called retirement years as a small society where we still we help each other out we part of over 50 starting over what i'd really like it to turn into is this retirement society i don't want to say retirement i want to let go of it's the next phase it's it's, it's the next phase you know where where we can like be able to be ourselves, not have this amazing amount of corporate stress that's on everybody, mm-hmm. uh, live our lives with our friends and family and, and be able to do the things that cause us passion. And what both of us have found out is that most of what causes passion is being able to put our eyes on other people and help other people. Help other people. And, and under really the guise of compassionate capitalism, we found that there's opportunity in that whole umbrella to mm. help other people and provide for yourself and your family at the same time. And yeah. you know what, Barry, I see us like being able to kick back in our, our houses with our lawns. Maybe I'd like to live on some water somewhere, you mm-hmm. know, and have a mm-hmm. boat and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. my, my kids, my wife, my mom, my, you, your family, uh, mm-hmm. Lisa, uh, you know, and just be able to laugh, 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 and just yes. have fun. And at the same time, 
we're doing something that we can wrap our hearts around and feel so good about helping each other. Man, uh, that is like the kind of thing where you're at the end of the the movie, and uh, it's not the end of the movie, but it or the end of life. It's just the end of the movie where the the good music starts playing. Yeah, like yeah. this looks like the start of a beautiful thing, you know. And we just wrap we, our arm we around get each to, other. Yes, we get to employ people, our peers, to do bring other of jobs. people into it. Yeah. Bring uh as many people that want to come into it as, as they want, where you get to do like the part-time job of your choice where you get up in the morning and you can't wait to get on with the day. You got, you know, four hours. I want to be. It's not even point. like a job though. It's no, like, I want to get do, to like do this fitness instructing, you know, helping right. inspire people of my peers and just take them through some workouts that are fun, not yelling at them like a drill sergeant, but just inspiring people to get in shape. I want to, you know, I want there to be a, a really nice restaurant there. People that want to work part-time at it a little bit uh, during the day, tend to the garden as self-sufficient as possible. Gardening is a very important aspect of this solar panels, solar, you know, uh, sustainable energy as much as possible. Push those boundaries. For those that want to take this on, outreach programs that help benefit homeless, the homeless problem, or whatever else is most needed. That kind of thing. You get up in the morning and you can't wait to get on with your day. And there's just a whole lot of doing brunch with uh, your your close friends. And hey, shared transportation. Not everybody's going to need a car. Maybe every three to four people need a car and you get on. I kind of like the golf cart kind of thing too, man. Oh, I do too. I'd, I'd like to have one of those. Like, Me too. Know, get, okay, everyone get in the golf cart. Or the other thing too is bicycle riding. Yes. There's got to be some, man, uh, this is one yes. thing Barry and I both really love is, is, yes. is bike riding and everything and just being on the trail, uh, hearing the sound of your tires. And there's yeah. something so inspirational about this, having that conversation and everything. We can make a whole show just on our bicycles. Oh, you know? that would be so fun. So fun. No kidding, right? We'll have to do that. Being out in nature. I love nature. I know you do too. Yes. Yeah. We'll have to do that. We'll have to put our heads around that. We could probably do that with our iPhones if we have them strapped to one of those selfie sticks or some shit like that. And um, and earbuds. Yeah, exactly. It just it and just being able to share what we're seeing as well as um, oh, yeah. just the ideas that that just are inspired by that kind of stuff. It, yeah. Even books could come out of that whole thing. Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, I, I mean, this all sounds like crazy fantasy no, world thing. I, I just think that's how it starts. Is just it's, don't let, it, don't limit your mind. Exactly. Uh, let's uh, get over the limit, limiting beliefs, but more so is the necessity of this because we are all living longer. And if you don't want to work until you're 75 years old doing something you don't like, then how about start wrapping your heads around what we're talking about, where you can get into a sustainable so-called retirement. You know what another, but anyways, we are living way longer. So if you got 40 years of so-called retirement where you can't do a trade job anymore, or whatever, it, or you just got so damn burnt out of doing your corporate America gig, which of course is going to happen, then we, we 
need to transition into this more sustainable and happy. Be happy these last 30, 40 years of your life. Well, you know, something you and I both have in common is that our dads passed away at an early age. And Lisa's, yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I mean, and same with Anne-Marie. Uh, uh, her, her dad geez. died when he was 32. Um, oh, you know, and so this is it. It's um, we uh, we we're not going out that way. And mm-hmm. part of that is I know one thing is the stress of corporate America is what killed my dad. Yeah. And the way that he was internalizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a better way. This mm-hmm. is our one. The, the gift that we have is so precious mm-hmm. that we want to just be able to think outside the box because happiness is where it's at. And, and it's up to us to find out how to have happiness. A lot of that has to do with our attitudes and what we say to each, ourselves. Mm-hmm. But there also is a responsibility on us to come up with uh, ideas. And I really believe yes. these ideas are inspired ideas that come from the Lord. And Agreed. anyway, I just, I look forward to a happy future, but I just want to say this to you, Barry, that um, man, going through, I've known you since I was in, in I think 19. I was 20, 19, 19 we were 19. years old. Going through life with you as a friend mm. has been a great blessing to me. It, it's been unbelievable. It's, I can't imagine where my life would be without same, you. Yeah. Same here, Barry. Well, I'm getting choked up here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I like to talk about it's, – it's, it's sticking our necks out there talking about our dreams of where this is going to go, but it, it will not take shape if we don't do that. And it will take shape if we continue to evolve this vision and have others share it. The right people will come into our paths and help us uh, make this take, take shape. So I think we need to talk about that a little more. What a great way to end season one, man. I think so too, Barry. It's been a great, <sighs> a great, great experience being yeah. able to do this. It's a, a dream come true, actually. And it is. I think that, um, this is an example to everybody else is don't let anybody stomp on your dream. And if mm-hmm. you have something in your heart like that, let her rip. Absolutely. With that, uh, hour and a half in our longest podcast ever. Uh, and we got other things we got to get on right now, but I want to say thank you all, uh, for, uh, coming on this journey with us. And we hope that we get to share a lot more of it with you. As I pleaded before, please leave comments. Uh, engage with us, uh, ask us questions, share, share your opinion, you know, call us out. Uh, We appreciate all of it. And uh, with that, uh, Merle, Merle, you give the parting words. I just wanted to, I think I already did is, you know, this is, like I said, this is a dream come true for both of us. Uh, Let your dream shine and good things are going to happen. Absolutely. So we're looking forward to seeing you in season two. See you in season two.